Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's day 601. We're back in 1 John. I've got my cup of coffee. Someone is in the kitchen, as you can hear in the background. Do you ever wonder if someone is always in our kitchen in the background? Not always. In fact, sometimes I think they wait until I start recording. They're like poised. They're like, okay, Dad's recording now. Let's go in the kitchen. <laughs> anyway, not really. Uh, 1 John chapter 2, this wonderful little book, powerful book of gospel truth and challenging uh, what it really means to understand and follow and love Jesus and be a true Christian is laid out for us. And it is a privilege and it's gospel saturated, but it's challenging and it calls us out of complacency. And so let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we go into this chapter today. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for every chapter of your word. We pray that you be with us and that you would write your word on our hearts and that you would be our teacher as we go through 1 John 2 together this morning. Please bless us and teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 1 John chapter 2. <clears throat> My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, 
but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not all of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one denies the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has made to us eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. First uh, John chapter 2. Here we're given like two key tests for how we know that we've been born of God, how we know that we have eternal life. At the beginning of the chapter, we're told it's if we love the brothers, if we keep the commandment that's been given to us from the beginning, to love one another. And then at the end of the chapter, it is that we practice righteousness, that we do what God commands us to do. That is the fruit that shows that we have been born again, that we are children of God. Now, it is God's will that we not sin. Do you know that? I know we are sinners and we sin all the time. We sin every day in thought, word, and deed. But did you know that God does not want us to sin. I mean, that may seem obvious, but I think sometimes we forget that and we think, well, I'm just going to sin all the time and so there's nothing I can do about it. But no, God's called us to righteousness. He's called us to Christ-likeness. He's given us the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's talked about here in this chapter so that we can know him and we can walk in his ways and we can walk in the light and God doesn't want us to sin. But of course we do sin and when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, who is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the propitiation for our sins, the, the sacrifice that satisfies divine justice and secures to us the mercy of God for our sin. All that's packed in to this one word, propitiation. The sacrifice that satisfies divine justice and secures to us the mercy of God for our sins. That's what propitiation is. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. So again, if we, if we have a desire, if we have a heart, if we have a sincere love for Jesus and for his people to walk in righteousness, if we hate sin, if we're turning our backs on the ways of darkness, if we're seeking to walk in the way of the light of God's truth and righteousness, this is sure evidence. This is sure sign that we belong to God, that we are his children. 
if we don't keep his commandments, if we just think, well, I can just profess that Jesus is Lord and live however I want to do, and we just sort of set aside what he wants from us and in us and of us, well, that our profession is empty. And this section talks about those whose profession is empty. Here it says, if you say you know him, but you don't keep his commandments, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. But if you walk in love, if you walk in the way of God, not perfectly, not sinlessly, but from the heart sincerely and truly saying, I want to love God and love his people. I do love God and I do love his people. I do walk in his ways. And when I stray from his ways, I repent and I seek the mercy of God through the propitiation of Christ. So that is, that is how we should walk. And of all the commandments of God, the one that John really emphasizes is loving one another. This is really important. Loving one another doesn't just mean I like those people I get along with. Um, I'm okay with those people who don't irritate me. I don't mind spending time around people as long as they're chill and kind of like me. Loving one another is a strong commitment to the good of one another within the body of Christ, even if it's inconvenient, even if it costs us, even if it's with people that we wouldn't normally get along with outside of being Christian brothers and sisters in Christ, that's loving. Loving your brothers is sacrificial. It is unnatural. It is uncomfortable at times. It is inconvenient at times. And yet that's what we're called to do. We must love our brothers. If we hate our brothers, then we're in the darkness and we walk in the darkness. So easy. Like We, we live in a world where it's like, if you don't agree with me in everything, then you're evil, you're the enemy, and I hate you. We can't do that with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to say, even though we don't agree on everything, even though we have a different perspective on certain things, if we are brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to love one another. And that's the call. And it is utterly vital that we do that. There's a little poetic section. You see how it's set apart in this different kind of layout. Uh, it's a little poetic section in verses 12 to 14. It, not sure if it's if it's poetry or some sort of creed or, or song or responsive saying that would have been used maybe within the church. Don't really know. But what John is saying here is he's he's writing in this poetic style to really emphasize some very important things about God's people. That our sins are forgiven for the sake of the name of Jesus. That we know God. We know the Lord Jesus Christ. We have overcome the evil one. Through Jesus, we know the Father. These are the things that bind us together as the people of God. We are the people of God. What does that mean? We are the forgiven ones. The ones who know Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega. The ones who have overcome the evil one. The ones who through Jesus know God the Father. And because of Jesus, we are strong. And we are one. If that's true of us, then we need to look around us and realize that's not true of the world. The world does not know Jesus as anything other than maybe a nice guy or a good moral teacher or an interesting historical character or somebody's myth. Right? The world doesn't really know Jesus. The world doesn't know the Father either because they haven't known Jesus. The world has not been forgiven of their sins because they still stand in rebellion against God. And if that's true of the world, that is rebellious humanity, 
then we need to be very careful that our hearts, our affections, our loyalties, our commitments are first to God and then to his people and not to the world and its ways. The world and its ways are all about three things. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. These three things are the three patterns of sin that have been in the world from the beginning. When Adam and Eve looked at the tree of the knowledge of the good of good and evil, they looked at the fruit. What did Eve see about that fruit? She saw that it was good for food, that would satisfy the desires of the flesh, that it was pleasing to the eyes, it satisfies the desires of the eyes, and it was profitable to make one wise, thus it would satisfy the pride of life. This is the way the world operates. Will it satisfy my appetites? Will it please my eye and my sense of covetousness and, 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 and acquisitiveness? And does it help me feel better about myself? Does it puff me up with pride? That's the way the world works. Whether it's commercial advertising or popular entertainment or political propaganda or whatever, the world sings that song with those three notes. Please your flesh, please your eyes, be puffed up with pride. And we need to be sure and careful that we are not singing that song. We are not giving our heart loyalty to those things. Those things that might make us feel good in the moment, right? They stroke our ego, they appeal to our flesh, they look good. But we need to say, that's not from the Father. That's not like Jesus. That's not loving to God and loving others. And we need to be rid of it because the world is passing away along with all of its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And there's a danger here that we're warned against because those who call themselves Christians, who say that they are among the people of God, but they're really in love with the world. They're really singing that siren song along with the world of, pride of life and lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh, these people end up leaving the church, deconstructing their faith, denying Christ, committing apostasy, whatever label you want to put on it. John says it very quickly, They very uh, succinctly. They went out from us. That means they left the church, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out from us, that it might be plain that they are all, they all are not of us. Those who abandon the faith permanently, who walk away and deny Christ, show that they never really belonged to Jesus in the first place. Their sins were not forgiven. They didn't truly know Jesus. They didn't truly know the Father through Jesus. They had not overcome the evil one. Rather, they were calling themselves Christians, but singing the siren song of the world. And eventually that siren song of the world led them away back into the world and away from the church. And those people are actually the people that the Bible calls Antichrist. People say, oh, who is the Antichrist? Where is the Antichrist? When do you think the Antichrist will be revealed? Well, look around you. It's people who are walking away from Jesus and denying his name, and then usually bad-mouthing Christianity on their way out the door. Those are Antichrists. And they're all around us, sadly. Sadly, they're far too common and always have been from the beginning. But we, we 
who do know Jesus and who do know the Father and who have been forgiven and who have overcome the evil one and who do not love the world, we can have a confidence that we've had this anointing, and that's the Holy Spirit, who is from God and who is the guarantee of our inheritance, who is the seal, the deposit on our eternal inheritance and who will keep us in Christ. That's the confidence we have. That when Jesus comes again, we're going to say, Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Yes, it's my Savior, the one I've been waiting for. And we won't shrink back. We won't hide. We won't say, Oh, no, I was hoping he wasn't real. And that's what those people are saying who are walking away from Jesus. They're saying, I'm kind of putting my bets on black, you know, on Jesus not being the Son of God, not being the returning judge and Lord of all the earth. I'm going to put my bets with the world. That's foolish. And we need to make sure that not only do we not do that, but that we are praying for those brothers and sisters in Christ within the church. We're loving them well, and we're teaching well by word and by example that they might know what is true and right. Let's pray. Father, you've given us everything we need in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is from the beginning, the one through whom we have forgiveness and knowledge of you. Help us to love Jesus and not the world. Day by day, may we walk more closely with Jesus, more deeply in fellowship and discipleship with you, and turn our back on the world again and again. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that is 1 John chapter 2. It's a great chapter, challenging. We're going to go back to 2 Chronicles tomorrow. Hope you can join me for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord.